Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars dig into seasonally relevant scriptural texts, and we hope that it's of some value for your edification and your enjoyment as well. Whether you're preaching or teaching or just want to enjoy this for your own personal study, we hope that it will be valuable to you. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My special guest this week is Patrick Eby, his first-time guest. He is here for the uh, Sunday of Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time, but thought this would be a perfect week for various reasons, one of them being his expertise in Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley has many great Pentecost hymns, as you'll hear. We'll talk a little bit about that in more detail uh, at a later point in the podcast. But yeah, he is a he is a, a world-class Charles Wesley expert. He's a historical theologian, teaches historical theology and church history here for Wesley Seminary as well. He's actually my office neighbor right next to me. So he, uh, he hears me... Uh, <laughs> echoing as I record all the time. So he's a long time, uh, quasi listener, first time guest. So I'm super excited to have Patrick on for his personal and exegetical and historical insights. So I hope that you'll, uh, enjoy this as much as I did just finished recording it now. And, uh, so yeah, we'll be looking at Acts chapter two, verses one through 21. And you'll hear that coming up here in a moment. So, uh, be sure to, uh, Subscribe to uh, this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and be sure to rate and review us so that people find out um, about it and the word gets out through the logarithms of social media and all that business. So anyway, be sure to get the word out and uh, thanks so much for listening in and enjoy the show. do this. We're looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, and this is for the uh, Sunday of Pentecost. And if you're willing, would you be willing to read the passage, and sure. then I'll say a word of prayer, Okay. Um, unless, you don't, unless you're not in the mood to I'm read. Good. I'm okay. good with that. Cool. Yeah. Let's do it. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in a native language, the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all those these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia. Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. 
In our own language, we, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Now this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In these last, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Yeah, let us say a word of prayer. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we give you thanks for all your great gifts. We give you thanks for this day that you have made. We give you thanks for this hour that we have set aside to study your word together. We give you thanks for Patrick for the time that he has taken out of his day to learn together with me and to do so alongside all those who are joining us in their own time and place. And so I thank you, Lord, for the gift of uh, each listener today and the way that you have gifted and called them. But most of all, Lord, I give you thanks for the gift of your Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, received by the Son and handed on, poured out, breathed forth onto the apostles on this great day that we remember. And we ask, Lord, that that very same Spirit that is already with us through faith in Jesus Christ may be upon us this hour, that we may discern what it is that you have for us to hear and see, and so speak and show to the flock under our care. I ask this for myself, for Patrick, and for all those listening in today. May your spirit be at work. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Patrick, for being on. Yeah. Uh, our usual custom, as you know, we were joking about this before we started recording. Uh, <laughs> Patrick is my uh, immediate neighbor at my office, so so I hear him when he's on uh, Skype meetings, and he hears me when I'm recording. So he, <laughs> so he probably knows the schedule. The, uh, the rhythm of the yeah, <laughs> better right. than anybody. But yeah, usually we, we start out just doing some loose observations, take a first break, and then we can go in a little deeper okay. and chase down any bunny trails that okay. we want to explore that might even be only vaguely connected. So we'll kind of hug the text for a few minutes and then okay. see where it goes and then kind of land the plane with thinking about preaching and worship for Sunday, get practical at the end. So um, with that said, what jumps out at you? Well, what uh what stuck out to you today as you were reading and hearing? There's both this emphasis on together mm -hmm. and the individual 
like experience. So you have, you know, they're all together in one place and then each herd in their own, <laughs> you know, so there's both this unity and there's particularity both in this text that would speak, I think, to us like the, there's a place where we need to be together. There's a place where we're, we're working side by side, praying, desiring, but each of us will experience this in a different way, in our own unique and special way. Yeah, I mean, I was struck, disconnected to what you just said. I was struck listening. It's more, no, when you, when you, you know, there's this difference between reading with the eye and kind of listening with the mm -hmm. ear, you know. And when you have these lists of places, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. my eyes tend to glaze over when I'm yeah, reading, yeah. but when someone else is, yeah. when I'm hearing it, it really slows you down. There's like yeah, yeah. so many, and you nailed it, by the way. <laughs> I was thinking as you're going through, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I, I learned it from Steve Lennox. He used to always say, like, like when people ask him, how do you pronounce it? He says, doesn't matter. Yeah, Pick away. That's right. And say it with confidence. Right. <laughs> so you just push through. And, but it was like this really long list. And, and even that I think really raises the stakes on the particularity. It's not, it's not a, a generic pick particularity. Yeah. I, ironically, sometimes where our talk of particularity yeah. and diversity can be generic. Yeah. It can be, you know, each heard in his own tongue. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, no. Specifically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Parthians, Medes, <laughs> Elamites, <laughs> residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, yeah. and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. I mean, even like, yeah. like, which of course immediately is raising all these sort of just like curiosities for yeah. me. Is like, where's Luke getting this list? Why is he yeah. being so specific? Is it over time that he's heard? Oh yeah, I was there. Is yeah, it like yeah. Woodstock? Everyone says they were there. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's right. But it's very specific, you know, and yeah, it's so striking, so striking. So no, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. There's this intense kind of unity as they're waiting for the spirit. And then as the spirit comes upon them, the spirit obviously makes them even more unified in mission and yeah. in witness. And yet just this total particularity, I think was the word you used. Yeah, yeah. Although even then the particularity is itself a kind of universality. It's yeah. a drawing all in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is really striking. Yeah. What else is jumping out at you? We can keep talking about that or if something else grabbed you. Well, like you said, that raises all kinds of questions as, as a, you know, scholar of the church, you know, yeah. church history. So I wonder who's at each of these places. Like mm. what's the story? How does it spread? You know, the way that I read the scripture is mm. like how is it impactful throughout history? So I think I would want to go and look at each of these places and say, now what, what is, how does Christ, what do we know about Christianity mm -hmm. in each of these spots? You know, yeah. are these, are these the beginning hot spots of Christianity? Have we, have we explored all of those? I mean, some of them, I know the stories already, but some of sure. them, they're not quite as clear. Yeah. Ironically, I mean, Luke's already kind of, you know, he would have been, if not second generation Christian, at least not one of the 12. Yeah, you know? yeah. So he kind of came in later and there's good reason to believe Luke and Acts are written much later in mm -hmm. the first century. Mm -hmm. So these names have probably resonance for him. Yeah. If not for his audience as well, you know, where they hear Cappadocia and they meet, they might immediately think like, Oh yeah, yeah I know the church that's yeah. there or whatever. Yeah. I mean, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia yeah. in the narrow sense of the word, that's all Turkey area. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. that's all North of, Judea. So I know Parth Parthians and Medes, those are Medes. I don't know how to say that. Medes? 
I don't know. I said Meads. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just don't even know. But that's that's uh, east, right, of of Israel, right? Yeah, that's yeah. all. Those yeah. are all Over in Persian. the Persian area, yep. Yep. broader, right? And uh, residents of Mesopotamia, even that's a more generic area, right? So that, that'd be like rattling off and saying, you know, like, you know. From Georgia, Tennessee, Carolina, yeah. you know, the south. The south, that's right, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> those, those are all Mesopotamian yeah, yeah. places, right? Yeah. And then Egypt and the Cyrenian parts of Libya, that then puts you yeah. to the west, yeah. over to Egypt, and then even visitors from Rome. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can't tell entirely with the grammar in verse 3, both Jews and proselytes, proselytes whether that's referring just to everybody or just the Romans. Was it Roman, you know, Roman Jews and proselytes? Hmm. Trying to tell. Yeah, it probably is modern. I, I would, I would think that it was uh, uh, modifying the whole list, except then you get one more combo: Cretans and Arabs, yeah, or Arabians. So Cretan, Crete's an island to the uh, to the west of yeah. Israel, and then Arabia would be to the south. So we've got ah, it just hit me. We've got north, south, east, yeah, and west here. Yeah, and isn't there that famous line? It's in. I know it's in Luke. I can't remember if it's in – yeah, it's in Luke and Matthew. I think it's a Q kind of thing, right, where it's just Matthew and Luke. The They will come from north and south and east and west. Yeah. Do you know I what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Oh, I'm going to go look for it while you make your next comment. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. I'll listen. Yeah, that's good. I'll go find it. Yeah. It, just riffing off what you're observing, but go ahead. And it, the, the question is then, like saying Jews and proselytes, how many – how much of this is how remembering how early Christianity is so Jewish? Mm-hmm. Like these are all places that you know diaspora Jews have lived and impacted, and so the church's start is through the Jewish diaspora, right? Right. So seeing you know kind of, and then you pointed out that Cretans and Arabs are separate. Is that because there's no Jewish diaspora there, or Wow. Or is it highlighting the row? I mean, I don't. That's a good question. I think to explore that doublet after, just at least in terms of the syntax, at first glance, sounds to me like Romans. You know, both Jews and proselytes. Okay. You know, from Rome. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, it, it's obvious because the passage is already stated in verse five, right? Many devout Jews, mm-hmm. Jews, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, from all the nations. Yeah. Right. Um, that are under heaven, right? So I, th- I think it's already indicating that these are Jews yeah. from all these places. So then the, the slipping in the proselytes is saying, yeah, yeah, but not all of these are born Jews. Yeah. Right? Some, of them, some of them are converts, right? Yeah. Do you think just specifically to Rome or to the whole group? Uh, I can't I tell. I can't tell. Yeah. It's not – well, let me put it this way. Like they're, they're in these doublets. So in the original, you get this you, – you get noun – so it's so weird. So Greek has like what, like four, three, four different words for and. Okay. And, <laughs> and one of them is, is chi. That's the most common yeah. in Koine, but you also have te. And I don't know how much of this stuff yeah. you're, I don't want to be patronizing to no. you. I'm happy to patronize our yeah. listeners. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, Edit that out. No. <laughs> Leave it in. Uh, my uh, if if listeners can't handle my accidental arrogance, I hope it's <laughs> bearable. <laughs> That's right. Uh, no, it's meant to be helpful. My students are always kind of telling me that it's like, stop worrying about patronizing yeah. here. We we yeah. signed up to learn, so, so just sorry. talk. That's right. But anyway, 
Another one's te. And what's fun about te is it, is it goes after the word rather than before. Oh. So basically you have noun and and noun. So, but which can loosely mean both and okay, both this and that, both this and that, and some versions retain that. I think. What version are you using today? NRSD. Okay, I think it. I'm trying to remember. Just rattle off like the first three, and let's see if it. Parthenians, Medes, Elamites. Okay, no, it's listing them. Okay, so which is fine. I'm not criticizing that because it's not. It's not standard English style. Yeah, the, I've got the ESV out here, and, and it does it. The Parthenians and Medes and Amalites and residents of Mesopotamia, and then you get the doublets. Both Judea and Cappadocia, okay. both Pontus and Asia, both Phrygia and Pamphylia, both Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, both visitors and visitors from Rome, both Jews, Jews right? and proselytes, both yeah. Cretans and Arabians. So the Jews and proselytes line could be a standalone doublet. Yeah parallel to these others or it could be modifying rome yeah. i don't think i could come down one way or the other i don't think the grammar is telling us yeah this often happens where we like have a question and we go yeah. like you know we look at the original and it sort of that sorts it all out yeah. and then other times like not at all <laughs> you know so well my the nrsv does that too it's just that first line that does the uh separate oh it list. switches into the ends. Yeah, okay. into the ends yeah. yeah i noticed that the first as i was reading i noticed that the first doesn't do those it does yeah. a triplet first i wonder if he's he's it's stylized too but go ahead yeah go ahead. i wonder if he's pulling out the fact that this is rome you know we're going to end in rome so let's let's kind of so. kind of highlight this by putting i mean he's he's setting this I off in a so. so probably trying to figure out more than that is Probably reading into the there's text. There's definitely a foreshadowing here yeah. of what's to come. If you haven't read the rest of Acts, there's a lot of stuff that, <laughs> that yeah. happens in Rome. But, but <laughs> it's interesting, though, for you to say that, though, because, you know, you, uh, on the surface, you'd say the story of Acts is from Jerusalem to Rome. Yeah, yeah. Although, interestingly, they spend a ton of time in Jerusalem towards the end of the book. So it's yeah, actually yeah. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And then the vice versa is true that, you know, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses, you know, Jerusalem, yeah. Judea to the ends of the earth, yeah. which is a little vague. What yeah, does that mean? And then you get you know, this drawing in from every direction. Yeah. But Rome slipped in there, yeah, which yeah. is a little, I think a little foreshadowing. Yeah. I think that's fair. I finally looked that thing up while we were talking. Okay. Sorry, that was kind of rude. My brain is actually not very good at that. Aaron's amazing at that. He can have a whole conversation with me while he's looking something up. <laughs> how, do you, how do you do that? My brain does not do that. Yeah. 13. It's Luke 13. I've got it, but you can turn if you want, but I, we don't need to camp out there, but. So it's while he's on his journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And he says, Lord, will there's the, the, someone asked him, Lord, will those who are f- saved be few? So that's fitting on Pentecost, this what, passage, actually. What verse are you in? Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 13, verse 23. Okay. Lord, will those who are saved be few? He said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door... You will begin to stand outside to knock at the door saying, Lord, open it to us. And he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God. And yet you yourselves are cast out. Now, hear all those references to yeah. patriarchs. That's resurrection language, right? Yeah. And people, here it is, will come from east and west and north and south and recline at table 
in the kingdom of God. Hmm. Whoa. And behold, some are last will be first, and first will be last. And interestingly, the parallel to this in Matthew says, I say, I say to you, many will come from east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob mm. in the kingdom of heaven. So you only get east and west in Matthew. Okay. <laughs> and Luke, so, so either Matthew's shortening or Luke's expanding. Yeah. Usual rule of thumb is the expansion is more likely. Okay. That's a rule of thumb, but so it's case by case. But, and given this is also extra evidence, right? That yeah. Luke has this very like, you yeah. know, whereas Matthew, maybe it's just east and west. Yeah, 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 you know, other places. Other places, yeah. Whereas Luke's <laughs> got this east and west and north and south, which yeah. you have all here. Yeah. Which I've never noticed before. Yeah. Coming from every direction. But like you said, you're dead right, just to go back to what you said, which is the main point here is these are diaspora Jews, to use yeah. that term. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's, you know, I mean, there were more Jews living in, at the time of Jesus, there were more Jews living in Babylon than in the, the nation of Palestine. I mean, Jews were... Yeah. Huge populations around the world, but coming in often for Passover and could even stay through yeah. Pentecost. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Which which brings up an interesting question to me. Yeah. Could they understand each other? Did they have a common language when uh, they came to Jerusalem? Huh. I'm assuming they all spoke, you know, Arabic or uh, Aramaic or interesting Hebrew, but I mean are we, are they all of these strangers together with a common heritage? I think I see where you're going with that in some sense. Yeah. Well, because you could have that. I mean, there's an insight either way. Let's yeah. let's take a quick break and come back and explore that a little bit. Okay. And then see where it goes. So. And we're back. <laughs> Patrick hears me do that and laughs. Here's us laughing. <laughs> Am I extra loud on that always, or is it just more that's the, I'm loud the whole time? I have that's no familiar. idea. <laughs> <laughs> can't answer, I can't answer that question. <laughs> Radio voice. Cantor won't. <laughs> <laughs> I know the laughter is pretty consistent with it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, before the break, you asked a really good question, Patrick, of whether they would have known another language. So... I'm going to play with that for a second and say, of course, you have some people not from the Roman Empire here, Mm -hmm. but quite a, you know, quite a few would. Mm -hmm. So you may have people who know some, you know, at least business Greek, you know, Koine Greek, cheap Greek. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So you'd have some common language there. I don't, from what I'm, from the little I understand of the period, Aramaic was not well spoken outside of the area. Having said that, you know, the more devout Jews, you know, would, you know, people regularly going to synagogue here yeah. the the odds that they would know a little Hebrew is there. Yeah. However, of course, the Torah had been translated into Greek, Greek hundreds yeah. of years before. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, all our evidence suggests that the Jews outside of Israel were, you know, experiencing their scriptures uh, secondhand yeah. through Greek translation, as well as... um. What's it called? The Peshitta, the the Aramaic, yeah, the the Syriac, you know, Aramaic and Syriac. Yeah. There's all these versions, yeah. right? Having said all of that, I mean, I think you're onto something that the possibility of Peter and the apostles 
preaching in either Koine Greek or Aramaic would have probably been able to connect with some of these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they bothered to visit, yeah. you know, they probably know a little bit. Yeah. And it's kind of a, maybe this isn't where you're going. I said, I saw you're going there. It's yeah. kind of a justification for the power of the heart language though. Yeah. Right? yeah I was thinking about Even that. if you know, it would have been as a second language yeah. to these people. So yeah. they were being, they were hearing in their own yeah. tongue, right? Yeah. Their heart language as we use today, that language. So I think there's value in that, even if they had common tongue. And it also communicates a very important theme in Acts, which is even though these are Jews, it's already beginning to suggest that so that even among the Jews who are spread around the world, they don't have to become Palestinian Jews to become Christians, right? Which is already um, hinting at what is to come, which is you actually don't even have to become a Jew first to become a Christian, right? I don't know if that's... I was trying to imagine what it would have been like to be in Jerusalem <sighs> with nobody really speaking. I mean, few people speaking your heart language. Yeah. Or how do you communicate with the people? So you get this big gathering, a multilingual gathering, where you don't really communicate. And then all of a sudden, everybody's oh. hearing the same message and understanding it in a moment. It's amazing. Like, what what would that change be like to be at a, a place where you feel unheard and un, you're, you're bumping into people that can't understand you and all of a sudden everybody understands. What would that be like? Yeah. Have you ever had something like that as an individual experience? Do you know what I mean? When you're, when you're, you know, traveling outside the U S and kind of bumbling around yeah. in a language and then you like bump into an English speaker. Yeah. Well, usually I take an English speaker with me. Right. <laughs> but even translate. still like a, or even just like pop music comes on yeah. the radio. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, and like the moment, like I remember like stumbling into a, uh, I was in Berlin just this last year and was getting off this train to go like kind of in, not in the suburbs, but yeah. you know, outside the center of town. So not really tourist area. And because I wanted to go see the gravestones of some theologians mm-hmm. that I that I like, <laughs> and so I was going to see Schleiermacher's uh, grave, and and there were just all these like college age kids getting off of the subway, uh, you know, off the metro yeah. at the same time as I was, and all kind of walking the same direction I was going. And talking in English, yeah. right? And so I was like, okay, something's up here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and eventually struck up a conversation with some of them. And they were all from the States and they were on some like, you know, six week travel abroad course. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all staying in one place, but kind of out of the city center, you know? And, but it was funny. It was like on my last day in a trip to Germany with my wife this fall when she was on a research trip and I was just goofing off. But, and there is that weird, like, I, of course I love other languages. I don't know them very well. I can read, I can't really speak. Yeah. So I love hearing people speak in other languages, even when I don't know. And I, again, I can bumble around a little in German. Yeah. But yeah, there was like this relief. Yeah. Just going into what you said, that yeah. relief of like, ah, yeah. <laughs> I know what they're saying. <laughs> and and most of course they were college kids. Like the first guys I noticed were these two dudes like talking all about like their workout routine and stuff. Like, <laughs> like I wasn't even interested in the subject. That's matter. right. <laughs> but it drew me in because they were speaking my heart language. Yeah. You know, and having said that, it's also like the very, that very same day I went to a evening, even song worship at Zoo Station at the cathedral, at the, the church there. And, and I mean, it was all in German and it was moving fast enough that I wasn't able to track it all. Yeah. 
But like, I knew when the Lord's prayer started, Yeah, I knew the rhythm yeah. of the Lord's prayer. So I was bringing that up to say that like, um, sorry, it's story time with uncle John, but the, <laughs> the point was like to explore your suggestion of yeah. like that these travelers who of course would have had more language modern 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 people tend to not speak yeah. tons of languages the way yeah. they would then so they probably had pretty decent facility to get around town yeah. especially if they were annual pilgrims right but like when they would go to church right that was my yeah. very parallel like they when they went to temple they probably knew what was going on yeah. passover service because it's That's familiar right. yeah and they probably could ask where the bathroom is although yeah. they probably wouldn't ask for the bathroom but they, they could ask where the market is yeah yeah they could get around but there's something like <gasps> Yeah. You know, to hear your own language be spoken that draws you in, even if you don't care yeah. about the subject matter. Yeah. So if Peter, you know, if the Holy Spirit would have given this power and they just ta- talked about their workout routine, it would have grabbed people's <laughs> attention because it's like, oh, it's my heart language. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> and at first you think, oh, it's going to be maybe we're going to have a mutual friend. I mean, one of those three college kids I was talking to, one of them had like one of them was from a town that like knew someone I knew. That kind yeah, of thing yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Right. But what's wild is what you brought out. So it's the high particularity, but then that particularity is generating this unity. Yeah. Because it isn't just, wow, I'm being spoken to in my heart language. It's everyone is. Yeah. So it's this common experience yeah. yet differentiated. Well, anyway, that was just story time. I was just trying to empathize. Yeah. My wife's been teaching me how to do that in reading scripture. Like actually think of like kind of enter into their yeah. experience and kind of draw on your own to yeah. kind of like picture it as like a real event yeah. with real people, you know, yeah. that would be just so but it's yeah, blown away. What has just been blown away? It's interesting. Then the response is, so they must be drunk. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so there's this, this moment where I think a lot of people are experiencing this mm-hmm. like heart union, but there's some people that are the cynics on the side, you know, that are going, what does this mean? You know, what's going on here? Yes. And it, even, even 12, they were all amazed and perplexed saying to each other, what does this mean? Like yeah. they're not drawing the conclusion yeah. uh, positively yet. <clears throat> even the, even the non scoffers. Yeah. Yeah. But you definitely have, but others mocking. But others sneered, yeah. <laughs> they're just drunk. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter's, you know, brilliant uh, rebuttal. Yeah. It's too early in the morning for drunkenness. <laughs> My hunch is, uh, the uh yeah that's a and that's a problem of the alcoholic like, drinks alone at that time of day right. is what i wanted to say but i didn't want to get yeah yeah when it's a part of reading your own context back into it that's it, right it, it might be really like nobody drinks at nine o'clock in the morning in the culture that we're reading right about here whereas we can imagine it in our culture yeah and it would be totally totally yeah. unthinkable yeah yeah for the, that you'd be drunk at that time yeah. of day so that argument might have worked really well in first yeah, century yeah. jerusalem yeah then we get to the real heart of the passage, right? Right. The last days, the the pouring out the spirit on both your sons and your daughters, mm-hmm. and they'll both prophesy. You know, your your young man shall see visions; mm-hmm. your old man shall dream dreams. Pour out the spirit on everyone, all people. I mean, it's and then the the turn to the the end of times. It seems the the signs of. Yeah, and then, right. right? <laughs> yeah, 17 and 18 seem to be being fulfilled. Uh, 19 through 19 and 20. Yeah. Doesn't seem like that's happening right there. So either, although show wonders in heavens above and signs on mm-hmm. earth below, mm-hmm. blood, I don't know, but fire, yes. Mm-hmm. There's the tongues, tongues on their yeah. head. The sun to dark, moon to blood. Again, you know, I know when I'm quoting scripture, mm-hmm. like I did it earlier, right? I, I was uh, 
flipping back to Luke 13. Yeah. And I wanted to put it in context. Yeah. Right? So I kind of picked up at a certain point. And I get the vibe that Peter is quoting all this, not necessarily saying point for point, watch every yeah. point. Yeah. But he really wants to get the verse 21. Yeah. That's obvious to me, right? Yeah. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. Right? He wants to get today's the day of salvation yeah. there. That's yeah. that that 21 is the altar call, right? Not yeah, really yeah. the altar call still to come, but it's yeah. the it's planting the seed and the name of the Lord, right? The name of Jesus. He's interpreting that as, right? And the everyone, right? Yeah. Everyone can call, right? Having said that, I think he also nineteen and twenty then become relevant because it's saying we're in the we're in the last time yeah. here. So uh, now's your chance. <laughs> but it's, to me, it's interesting how he doesn't edit this passage, where he does edit the passage. He quotes from Isaiah sixty one and Luke four, like he stops before the wrath of God that's there in yeah. Isaiah sixty one. So interesting. He's willing to edit the passage, whereas I. This here, here he doesn't edit. So there's a reason for leaving it all in probably for Luke. That's good. That's a good insight. Yeah. Yeah. And and who knows? Maybe he is wanting to say that, you know, this sun and moon language maybe is being Mm -hmm. interpreted allegorically. Yeah. Perhaps. If you look back to the crucifixion, Mm -hmm. there are signs of, you know, the the sky going dark. True, 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 true. Maybe we've put it to kind of an end time type of thing. Maybe he's saying even the death. And resurrection is a mark of this last days in ways that maybe we've set aside. That's a speculation. No, no. Well, it's it's a well, it's a. I mean, this is a an important question when interpreting Luke and Luke Acts yeah. in particular. Is the kind of eschatology that you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there's a long-standing debate as mm-hmm. to whether Acts is presenting a a kind of more. Uh, what's the right word, you know, realized eschatology Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or not. I'm probably with the minority voice pushing against that reading of Luke Acts, at least that he's probably closer to, to Paul's eschatology, but just with a sense of patience uh, about it only because of phrases like, you know, where's the line? Well, the rest of this, I mean, (laughs) I mean, I love the lectionary because it gets me to study texts I might not study, mm-hmm. and it gets me attuned to the seasons and rhythms. Yeah. Um, but often they cut off passages at the most bizarre places. It's yeah, kind yeah. of like, really? Like, he just, <laughs> this is just the beginning of the sermon, right? 21. <laughs> Although the way it's perfect, because then it says, now, uh, as the preacher, I preach verses 22 through, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but men of Israel, he these words, Jesus of Nazareth, the man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. That fits the wonders and signs. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. That that he's seeing that as fulfilled. This Jesus delivered up according to the divine plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness in your presence. That's from Psalm 116. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. And his tomb is still with us to this day. I love that. Right here in town. You can go check it out. Yeah. Unlike Jesus, right? Yeah. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath that he would one day, that he would set his 
descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not to be abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh even see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, um, he has poured out this holy promise of the Spirit mm-hmm. that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 110. Let all the house of Israel therefore know. There it is. All the house of Israel. Yeah. That's the gathering of the diaspora. Uh, for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your for your children, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. Yeah. Sorry, I just randomly decided to read that entire, but I, <laughs> I feel like that's the whole yeah. chunk, right? And you get a sense of the centrality of Christ's resurrection, and I think we've confirmed your insight that he thinks that some of these things are being fulfilled yeah. in the death and resurrection. That was a good insight. I've never seen it that way. That's really helpful. I tended, I, I've made the mistake in the past of always interpreting the kind of the Joel quote as about Pentecost. Yeah. And then the Psalms quotes are about Jesus. Yeah. But it might be a little more mixed up than yeah. that. Especially because, you know, the Lord sitting at right, my right hand is the ascension. And the, the, the ascension is the condition for the possibility of the pouring out of the spirit. Right. So, so Peter's kind of moving back and forth between Pentecost yeah. and Easter. Yeah. Mixing them all together. Yeah. Yeah. You brought your little, uh, your little book there. Maybe that, did that trigger thought? Yeah. I, one of the reasons I invited Patrick on is because we've had chats before about the great Pentecost hymns of Charles Wesley, about whom he's an expert, as I mentioned in the introduction. But yeah, I, as I was rereading the hymns this morning, hymn four in, he's got hymns for Whit Sunday, which okay. is another, another name for Pentecost. Right. And uh, in hymn four, the end of each verse is this line, rejoice in God sent down from heaven. <laughs> hmm. So who is that talking about? Yeah. My mind, when I read that, that's an incarnational kind of language, but yeah. it's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Right. So he's taking this God language. sent God. God sent God. Yeah. This time it's God, the Holy Spirit, that's being sent. Mm-hmm. But we, the kind of language throughout the whole hymn is just remember that God sent his son, and then the Father sent his son, and then God sent the Spirit. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean... What's the line again? Praise? Rejoice in rejoice. God sent down from heaven. Rejoice in God sent down from heaven. Yeah. yeah. And it does have that double vibe. It sounds like a Christmas line. Yeah, it does. It sounds incarnational as I read it. You know, sinners lift up your hearts, the promise to receive. Jesus himself imparts. He comes in man to live. The Holy Ghost to man is given. Rejoice in God sent down to heaven. So so he's implying both even Both of them right in that yeah. one line. Probably not unintended. Yeah. Of course, his probably some of his other most famous hymns would be his nativity hymns. Yeah, yeah. So wow. That, and this this whole hymnal is mostly about prayers 
asking for the Holy Spirit to be sent. Ah, okay. That kind of locates us at the beginning of the story then. Yeah, right? yeah. The, so he's and it's his Pentecost his conversion experience happens on Pentecost Sunday. Right, 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 right. So this like he's his desire Is that a little is that a few weeks before? Wesley or after? Three days before John. Three days before. So May 21st and May 24th, 1738 are the two experiences. And the hymns that we have, uh, that we sing a lot, O Four Thousand Tongues Mm -hmm. and and Can It Be, Mm -hmm. are both reflections on that day for him, which are much longer than what we sing in hymnal. The O Four Thousand Tongues is 18 verses long. (laughs) Is that in here? No, I know it's because that's an earlier hymn, right? Yeah, for, is that from that summer? Like, did he write yeah, it he soon writes, after? We don't know if he wrote that. There's three hymns that have pres- possibly are written that year, or okay. two. How shall my wandering soul and uh, and can it be? Or probably that. I, the O Four Thousand Tongues is the anniversary hymn that's written a year later. One year later, yeah. So, but explicitly connected to yes. the event, yeah, on Pentecost, yeah, because so he, starts... he has his experience on Pentecost Sunday, yes. on the Sunday, yes. So that means Wesley and Wesley was at a at a midweek Bible study, yeah, yeah. that night, yeah, uh, a Wednesday then, yeah. I did the Even Song that day, and then went to the Moravian reading of the preface to uh, right, and so that was Romans. Wednesday then, Wesley's... three days, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you said 20... twenty one and twenty four. So 22, 22. Yeah. That's just funny to think. Cause I mean, we still, at, you know, at my local church, you're, I mean, you're just yeah. our same church yeah. is, has Wednesday night service. Yeah. It's just yeah. kind of funny to think of a, of a Sunday morning, con, you know, a Sunday conversion, yeah. and Wednesday conversion, but. And, um, and Charles's is in his, in his sick bed. Oh, right, right. He's right. not, he's, he's, and he has it. It's a miraculous type of thing where he hears somebody say, arise and walk basically. Okay. And he I don't know he tries to he well. tries to figure out you know is that you Jesus you know mm. and he thinks it's Jesus so he gets up and he walks and all of a sudden he's healed and you know upon further reflection he finds that the maid was told by Jesus to say this okay but it doesn't change the fact that it changed his life so the ex you know Jesus had her say it at that moment it changes him he gets healed he gets he experiences this impouring of the Holy Spirit and. He's, you know, that desire to know God personally, to have God live with us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what this whole hymnal is about, is like just this experience of living and walking with God, yeah. just like the disciples did, but we do it with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Which is not an absence, but a different mode of presence. That's right. Right. I was, there was two things. First about that. And then back to the story you're sharing. I often tell my students that if you read like Luke and Acts really fast, mm-hmm. that it's the story of Jesus and then the story of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But if you read it really slow, you realize that the first book is the story of the Spirit's work in Jesus' life. Yeah. And if you read the Acts really slow, you actually realize Jesus keeps showing up, right? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Or Luke sees Jesus yeah. standing at the right hand of the Father. And all the sermons are all, yeah. this sermon is not actually very much about the Holy Spirit. No. It's actually all about Jesus. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> So, you know, if you read it slowly, you actually realize the the kind of, to use a later term, the perichoresis yeah. of the Son and Spirit. Yeah. That the Spirit's at work in the work of the Son. Yeah. Spirit's referenced more in the Gospel of Luke than any other Gospel. Yeah. In all the narrative, you know, he, Luke doesn't like to change the words a lot. They'll often be lined up with what you have in Mark and Matthew in terms of the, the dialogue, the yeah. words of characters' mouths. But the narrative details, he loves to add things, yeah. change things, move things around, make it make more sense in his mind. 
yeah. put everything decently in order, as it says <laughs> in the opening line, throwing Mark under the bus. But uh, he ref- re- regularly adds references to the Spirit in places that they don't appear yeah. in Mark and Matthew. So that tells you he's wanting to highlight that the Spirit's at work in Christ. Yeah. And that, that all comes back to that stanza that you, you just read. Would you be willing to read it one more time for me? You real slow, because there, there's a reference to Jesus in us and the yeah. Spirit in us in the same stanza, right? Yeah. And it continues on, I think, throughout the whole... Okay. The whole hymn, but sinners lift up your hearts. The promise, and that's capitalized, to receive. Jesus himself imparts. He comes in man to live. The Holy (laughs) Ghost to man is given. Rejoice in God sent down from heaven. That's so clever. He said Jesus imparts, implying Jesus is going to give us the spirit. And then the next thing it says, Jesus himself. Yeah, yeah, comes. And what is it? Comes down from heaven? What's the he, line? He, he comes in man to live. In us, so he's yeah. living in us. That's right. The Holy by Spirit. By the Spirit, yes. right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. What's the next line? The Holy Ghost to man is given. Rejoice okay. in God sent down from heaven. Yeah. So he really is playing on both. Yeah. Right? That that the presence of the Spirit in us just is yeah. the presence of Jesus in us, which is very Pauline. Paul never really makes these... You, you don't get a picture yeah. of these as separate modes of being yeah. with God. Since Luke has a more narrative approach, yeah. it tends you tend to, I think you can get the impression that it's like, well, Jesus, and now he's gone, and now we have the yeah. Spirit, as if it's like a sequential handoff, a, a, a baton ta, a baton, yeah. a baton handoff, yeah, yeah. you know. But I, I don't think, I don't think Luke's wanting to tell a story no. of absence. No, no, the, you know, that Jesus is absent. This is his new way of being with. Yeah, and then. Um, I- just notice it's actually the last two lines are repeated okay. all, every time. So the Holy Ghost to man is given, rejoice in God sent down from heaven, is repeated at the end of each verse. Okay. And most of the time, it's about Jesus before those two lines. Okay, so the pattern. The pattern is Jesus and then the two lines about the Holy Spirit being sent down. Jesus. So the second one, Jesus is glorified and gives yep. the Comforter his spirit to reside in all his members here. And then the, the Ooh, couplet in all his members implying yeah. we're the body, which yeah. means he's not absent. That's right. Right. He's, yeah. a, he's the head and it's not, he's yeah. not, we're not a headless body. That's right. Or like his head isn't chopped off and uh, the right hand of the father isn't like far away. That's right. Right hand of the father is a statement of his authority, not of his f- distant location. Yeah. You know, the right hand of the father isn't, you know, somewhere behind Saturn yeah. or in some other galaxy. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a hidden place yeah. that is in no place. Wow, that's awesome. To, oh, that's so good. Go to ahead. Make, to make an end of sin and Satan's work destroy, he brings his kingdom in, peace, righteousness, and joy. And that triplet's really important mm-hmm. for the Wesleys. And then again, the Holy Ghost to man is given. So Peace, righteousness, this, and joy. Those, those become things that the Wesleys are always like, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that you're in? You're going to have peace and righteousness mm. and joy. Which correspond loosely to justification, sanctification, and glorification in a sense. Because yeah, yeah. peace with God, a sense yeah. of pardon, yep. righteousness, you're actually transformed. That's right. Uh, the real righteousness of sanctification. And then the happiness. Yeah. Wesley also does holiness and happiness. Yep. Does that yep. Does that uh, double it a lot. Yep. Uh, and the joy, happiness. Oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah. The next one, the cleansing blood to apply, the heavenly life display... And wholly sanctify and seal us to that day. So the work of Christ's blood, and then sent down to make us meet, to sent down to make us meet, M-E-E-T, to see his glorious face and grant us each a seat in that thrice happy place. Hmm. The Holy Ghost to man is given, rejoice, sent down, 
God sent down from heaven. So the thrice happy place. Not sure. I, I know. It's like, I wonder what he means there. Is that just Trinity? To like that the up. thrice happy? Well, also, holy, holy, holy. Yeah. Oh, happy, that. happy, happy, happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to think about that yeah. a little bit more. And then he breaks the pattern on the last verse. Okay. From heaven he shall once more. Ah, looking future. Yes. Okay. Transcendently Good. descend, or triumphantly descend. Yes. And all his saints restore to joys that never end. Then, then, when all our joys are given, rejoice in God, rejoice in heaven. Oh, okay, great. So he does the, which I think is fair to say that these passages are signaling a future as well yeah, as yeah. a present. And then the, the chapter three, Peter's second sermon yeah. has a very clear statement about the, um, he who is now in the right hand in, in heaven, who, which must receive him until the times of refreshing come or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. So there's this idea that he is to be sent again. Yeah. So the, the Pentecost anticipates yeah. the eschaton, but it, it, uh, it, we're experiencing it now. He is with us. Well, that, that pattern of perichoresis of the spirit is the divine reality in and through and with, I don't know the right yeah. preposition, yeah. which Christ himself is in us and with us as his body. Yeah. You know, so it's not a, you know, an absence of Christ. Christ is with us in this new and different way. And it has this universal particularization, yeah. right? That it explodes out because Christ in his sojourn on earth prior to his ascension is locally present in one place at a time. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. sets limits. Yeah. Um, necessarily so. Yeah. And you'll be able to do greater things when I leave. Yeah. And here it is. And here it is. It's every language. Oh, he never had 3,000 converts in a day. He usually chased them off. <laughs> on purpose, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, let's take a quick break and come back and write a sermon. And we're back. See, it's funny. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, we can, we can do, there's like two, uh, there's become like three different ways that we do this. This is a meta moment. Uh, indulge me, okay. as it were. So sometimes like me and my guests, we each kind of have two separate sermon ideas. Here's okay. kind of where I would do it. Oh, here's where I would go. Okay. Right? What's your angle? Another approach that we've taken is let's like hammer one out together. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? What do we want to do together? And then kind of a third approach is like, well, not even think about us. Like think of our listeners. Okay. Yeah. Whoever's listening to this, what do we want to tell them yeah. in terms of suggestions for preaching and teaching and worship planning more broadly? Yeah. Um, we can really go in any of those directions. It's, it serves them. It serves you, dear audience, uh, yeah. either way. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not saying who cares about the listener on the first yeah, two. Yeah. I'm just meaning there's different ways to approach yeah. it. How do you want to go about it? Sorry, I made that complicated. Yeah. I, <laughs> let's just start and see which see one where it goes. See, see what happens. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that. So, uh, I mean, I always like to ask, you know, what's, what's your hook? What's the thing that hooks you and then you think would in turn hook your people, you know, it might be a line in the passage. It might be a theme. It might be a quote from that hymn. Who knows, right? What, what's what's your hook? Where, where where do you want to start in terms of preaching, teaching, worship, planning more broadly? I mean, I guess probably the hook is where we started, right? How do you how do you make this particular and yet to all? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how do you how do you invite the individual in the pew that is unique? but yet recognize that this message is for all. How do you 
keep in balance this particularity and this universal offer. I mean, the universal offer would be the the hook, I think. The, the all. I mean, that's the Wesleyan mm-hmm. message again and again. Charles probably uses the word all more than any other word. Really? I, I mean, I've not studied it, but I mean, it all is just scattered throughout the hymns, just to memf- emphasize that this message is for all. Yeah, the free grace hymn, yeah. I mean, free grace sermon by Wesley that's yeah. shaped me so much, where it's free in all, free for all. Yeah, and there's a there's a hymn that goes along with it. Really? Okay. Yeah. So, can't tell you which one it is. I just know that at the end of that sermon, there's a hymn. Yeah, I'm seeing a sermon title already. All. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I already mentioned... Acts 3, mm-hmm. it's so striking, that passage that I mentioned. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the parousia of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah. See, it send is a future mm-hmm. send, mm-hmm. so that corresponds to that last verse. That he may send the Messiah who is appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for the restoration of all things mm-hmm. about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet. Yeah, quoting Deuteronomy, yeah, yeah. a favorite, uh, one of the only, quote, messianic, passages in the in yeah. the Torah. But I'll stop there. But I mean, the this sort of sense of that phrase, restoration of all things, mm-hmm. this is a controversial term in the early church. Origen used it. This is apodacostas, apocatastasis panton. Okay. The restoration of all things. So th- there were people who yes. taught that this is, you know, now you don't have to go total universalist, but, yeah. but in the way that someone like Origen does, and it's even debatable about whether he does. Yeah. But to see the all yeah. theme already here in chapter two. Yeah. So I know I just used a geek word of Papakastas, but forget about that one. Yeah. I want to focus on one of my favorite. It's it, I stole it from what's his name. Uh, I can't remember. This is uh, not good uh, citation <laughs> method, but uh, Eugene, Eugene Rogers, Jr. Eugene Rogers. He's got this great line. His kind of thesis about pneumatology is this. He says the spirit universalizes the particular and particularizes the universal. Okay. It's so good. And again, this is not my hook. Yeah, yeah. This might be my conceptual hook. Yeah, yeah. It's me putting your statement in this kind of conceptual yeah. way. That's not the thing I would say from the pulpit. Or no, if no, I no, did, no. it would yeah, be yeah. halfway through. You know, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't start with it. <laughs> this is thinking through. Because for me, at the end of the day, the thesis is the hook, right? Yeah. What's the big idea, Yeah. right? Although I want to put the language in something more digestible. But anyway, here it is real quick. So like the spirit universalizes the particular, meaning the particularity of Jesus, yeah. right? And just these 12, yeah. right? He universalizes it, brings yeah. it out to all. And yet at the same time, he's also particularizing the universal, meaning the universal Jesus, who's yeah. the Lord of all things, his, he died for all. Yeah. He makes that particular to each individual yeah. community in their culture, in their heart language. Yeah. And I teach that thesis in my introduction to theology class, yeah. but I haven't found a way to put it in like more everyday language. Yeah. You know, something about all in one, maybe yeah. all for one, one for all. No, not yeah. but I mean, it is that kind of, yeah. some kind of, I want to find some language playing with all. Yeah. And each. Yeah, each, each means all. particular, right? Yeah, yeah. All means yeah. something like a message maybe, for all, each in their own language. Yeah, yeah. Or just each and all. Yeah. Even the phrase each and all can work. Yeah. 
Yeah, a message for all, each in their own language. Yeah. A message for each, all drawn together into one body or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I want to say both sides. Yeah, yeah. You know, really play with all in each. Yeah. The- so I just stole your hook and said, here's some ways I'd want to yeah, yeah, play well, with it. That's why I, we I think just that's wouldn't right. make a decision to start with. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's – and then you go into 17 and 18, right? Yeah. You know, who, who men is, and women. Who are these all? Old and young. They're particular people. All these these people are particular. They're old, young, men, women. Sli- I don't know. North, south, east, west. Slaves. I, I would want to play on that. The north, yeah, yeah. south, east, west. Yeah. So whoever you Slaves are. Slaves and free. Yeah. Whoever you are here today, the message is for you and it's for you particularly. What is what is it you need to hear What's the language you need to hear today? Oh, it'd be fun to say, you know, sometimes in a sermon, you'll say things like, now don't look at your neighbor. Yeah, yeah. All, what, what is God saying to you? And I, yeah. I almost want to say, um, look at your neighbor. Yeah, what's he saying to him? <laughs> and notice that God is speaking to him or her. Yeah. Different than what they're saying to you. Look, yeah. but celebrate that. Yeah, yeah. Be, be amazed at what's uniquely happening in yeah. another, you know? Oh man, it'd make a great testimony service. Just thinking of, yeah, you know, to even even in the middle of a sermon to like pause and just say, you know, or you could have it planned depending on how far out you're planning. You yeah, know? you could have a few people who would take turns offering some words of testimony, just to highlight, you know, it's one and the same Jesus. Yeah, but transforming in all of these particular uh, ways. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that'd be a great a great sermon. Oh man, I really want to have like, yeah. H- h- how's this? How's this for a triplet? If you have to have three points, okay. not everyone has to have three points. But I mean, you have near and far. Yeah. You have men and women. Yeah. You know, sons and daughters. Yeah. You have um, old and young. Yeah. Right. And those would be three, I think, major sources of division. Yeah. In church life, right? Yeah. So how do you the near notice and the far? The difference of culture and ethnicity. Yeah. The difference of gender. Yeah. Men and women, and the difference of age, which is definitely intention in churches, old yeah. and young. Uh, but it is it is in our politics more broadly too, you know, yeah. in our political life. Well, you're starting to say something there. Yeah, right? yeah. I was, thought, yeah. The uh, and how do you learn to appreciate the other part of the division? Like, yeah, like learn, f- celebrate, and learn from. That's right. I wonder. I wonder what because they shall prophesy. Yeah, yeah. So there's something to have to you give receive us. A prophet, you receive prophet's reward. I yeah. mean, do. Pay attention. God yeah. may be speaking through them. So the so the all means that listening to the message means listening to people that are different than us and trying to figure out how they're experiencing God and what that can do to shape my life. That's right. So the kind of tensions that you're setting up, what what do the young have to learn from the old? What do yeah. the old have to learn from the young? Yes, and vice versa. Do them all that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What do the near have to learn from the far, you know? Men and women, what do we have to learn from each other in, in the, in the church or in society broader? I mean, you could do something with that. I think. I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I think I think I think you're spot on. To it makes me want to go through. This is an exegetical point, and we're almost done, so I should shut up. But maybe I'll do this later. But how many times whole or all appears mm-hmm. in this passage? Right. All verse, all in together in one places, the um, the whole house mm-hmm. where they were, tongues of fire rested on each one of them. There's yeah. all in each already, yeah, yeah. right? They were all, all filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah. 
right? Yeah. And then later each in his own tongue. So I feel like you, you'd actually would have a... Each and all. Yeah. And even tw- 12, all were amazed and perplexed. Yeah. But others, it didn't say some and others. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was amazed. Yeah, yeah. Only some. <laughs> right. Not. Sneered. <laughs> and, and all in each really comes to the Lord, uh, comes together in the, the Joel passage. But then look at the last line. And it shall come to pass that... Everyone. Everyone. What's that? Verse 21. Yeah. Yeah. And that's great because that, that's, that's not even the word... That's pos, so it means it's all. in the plural, it's all, <laughs> you know, in the singular, it's each or every, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. Who knows? That could also just be the title, right? Yeah. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you really want to have an invitation. And it may be, uh, you, you may not agree with this uh, because maybe you have more uh, psychological damage from altar calls as a child. <laughs> I have quite a bit, but not, uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd say I'd be in the moderate to moderate yeah. range on that. Uh, but uh, it always seems like a dereliction of duty to not have an altar call when this is like one of the only altar calls in the yeah. Bible. Like, <laughs> like where he literally yeah. says, come, yeah. right? Yeah. Today is the day. I feel like there's a place for that. Yeah. To just say what, but not in a kind of, but in a more open-ended way, the way yeah. that Peter does. Peter doesn't specify one particular sin or, no. you know, it's saying and assuming the spirit's speaking to you right yeah. now, right? Today yeah. is the day when each one yeah. uh, is hearing this message for all. Yeah. I think that'd be a yeah. beautiful sermon. And one of the ways I might moderate that kind of altar call yeah. would be to to have communion at the end of the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so right. Come and taste and see and experience yeah call well, that's what a... i like to say if you have communion uh, every week then you have an altar call every that's week. right <laughs> so i mean so you actually say that is your mode of responding yeah it could be that could be one way of re- if you if that's if an altar call is not respond uh comfortable for you yeah for whatever reason and i use altar call as a code for just yeah. any kind of invitation yeah. to respond yeah. rather than just here's a thought yeah, do what yeah. you want with it yeah, to yeah. be specific to really yeah. say to people today's your day yeah today's your you day know? call on the lord yeah and a way to ask it is discernment. Uh, Thirty-seven. They were cut to the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you know yeah. what's cutting into your heart right now. Not. I'm not gonna. I don't. I'm no. not gonna try to cut your heart. No. Right. That's that's the yeah the dangerous kind that I know you're yeah. uh, concerned about. But yeah, um, recognize that people are experiencing the guilt and the shame and the mm-hmm. different things. And this is a chance to to find healing for that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I think that's appropriate. I love it. 39 for the promises for you and for your children and for all yeah. who are far off. There it this is. is there. Yeah. You, your children and all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord, our God calls to himself. The same comes back to verse yeah. 21. Yeah. Yeah. All each and all. Yeah. Each and all comma all in each. That's my title. On okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I don't need a title. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. We're already over an hour. I'm so sorry to, to eat away at your day, but uh, I thank you so much for giving an hour yeah. of your time, Patrick, and to all our listeners. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening in. Do you have anything uh, to plug? Anything doing on the internet or anything you want to let people know about book coming out or anything? Well, what no. would be your most recent books? Your uh, Charles Wesley book, right? From Yeah. The, the Heart of Charles Wesley's Theology. Yeah. Yeah. It's out and available on Amazon and other places probably that you can find it. And it gives the... Basically, Charles Wesley's exploration of what it means to be restored in the image of God for all of us to get that yeah. complete restoration. So he's he deals with it his whole life, and this is a historical and theological exploration of that. 
Yeah, well, it's great stuff. And if you have no awareness or interest in the Wesleys, this is a great place to start. Yeah. Uh, because it's just a great book and interesting stuff and it'll draw you in. And if you're not used to studying hymns and stuff like that, it helps to have them mediated in the mm-hmm. prose form. Yeah. And uh, if you love Charles Wesley, then I can't believe you haven't read Patrick yet. So get on yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> and if you love John and haven't spent much Charles uh, time with Charles, take a break from John. Get, yeah, yeah. get your Charles on. That's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, definitely uh, recommend highly Patrick's work on Charles Wesley. Again, thank you so much yep. for the time that you've given today. And thank you to all our listeners for listening in. I want to also say a big thanks to uh, Eric Fisher for his production work and to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. Thank you again to all listeners being in on there. Make sure to like and subscribe and pass around and rate and review and all the other things that I always say about the (laughs) pod. Um, And with that said, I'll say have a good preach and a great week. Thanks, John.